Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. A year has gone by. It's been like a storm from January all the way through. And I'm sure if I say that, nobody would like to have another year like this. But you're warned that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Times hard to deal with. As we build up to the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. And now from one thing to another, the people are being herded in a direction around the world. And as there are now at this moment in time uncertainty in the, among the nations, uncertainty in the hearts of many, fear, anxiety reaction that's grabbed many, terror even, dismay, which is like stark terror in the Hebrew language, complete discouragement. As the Bible says, the Old Testament, knees melting, just melting with fear. But we're not of that generation. We're the kingdom of God's citizens in this place tonight. We shall not fear because the Lord is near. The Lord our God is always near. Lord, we only have to ask and we shall receive. Seek and we will find. Knock and the door will be open. Yes, I thank you tonight, Lord, because you're the solid rock on whom we stand. You're the one that actually have the moral excellence, the fabric of our life depends on you. We don't look to the left. We don't trust in the arm of flesh. Forget it. We've seen the world do that all the time over and over again. But we know we don't trust in the arm of flesh. And you preserved us. You have preserved us because our trust is in the Lord our God. Now to some, He might not be a reality out there, but we very well know He's real. And we very well know that if we pray, we see miracles. And Lord, they took counters even to mention in this service tonight. But we very well know with whom we have to do. And Father, we love you and we praise you. We worship you and we give you thanks with all of our hearts. Give the Lord a praise offering right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, let me, let me just start like this. Uh, since the beginning of time, men started calling upon the name of the Lord from the book of Genesis just after Adam and Eve. Started calling upon the name of the Lord. Soon they had altars and soon this went on. And uh, we know about Cain and Abel even bringing sacrifices to God. In fact, God said, let there never be a cessation of priests or Levites bringing offers or bringing offerings to me. It's got to happen all the time. That's what God said in the law of Moses, 613 laws, right pivotal, right in the middle, it says, let there never ever be a cessation of the sacrifices made to me. Now, having said all of that, uh, we have a man by the name of, of Abraham. And uh, Abraham, of course, uh, he lives in that same territory of the land of Canaan. Why the land of Canaan? If you read in the apocryphal books, that's the additional books that you find, and some of them are very authoritative, particularly the book of Enoch, the prophet. He's called 
several times in the Bible. He's called also a prophet. And up to the book of Jude, you read about Enoch that walked with God, was not, Hebrews 11, uh, and because God just took him by faith. He was walking and he was pleasing God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes unto God must believe that he is, and he is, a, and is a, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Can you say amen? amen. Right, so therefore, um, here comes Abraham, and God makes a covenant with him. But now something else happened. And we took a long look at that when we were students. And um, there's this mysterious man without beginning or end of days, without father or mother, that appears on the scene, you read about him, whom Abraham met after his defeat of the kings down there in the Salt Valley by the Salt Sea. And uh, Abraham went to war. He raised up men from among his own flock, trained them up, went to war, and uh, defeated them, chased them out because God was with him. And let me tell you something, you don't need an army if God's with you. You don't even need an army. But he had 200 men from his own, from his own staff, so to say, that he trained up. And he went to war and he defeated those kings. But on his way back, uh, he met this mysterious man, Melchizedek. Now, Malki, Malki is, is uh, Malek. Malek uh, is the word in Aramaic and Hebrew for king. Uh, the king, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, Salem is the Aramaic for peace, the king of peace of that time. It was like the language spoken there. And uh, met him on the way. And Abraham bowed down, gave him a tithing. Isaac was blessed. And he, as we heard this morning, sowed in the land, got a hundred times as much as what he sowed. And um, he, was, he, was just, he was just blessed in every dimension. If you read that story there in Genesis chapter 26 from verse 1 all the way through. Now, having said all of that, um, Abraham is blessed, but he bows down to this man. Now, who's this man? Abraham's standing in a covenant. He's called a friend of God in the Bible. He's the one man with the distinction, friend of God. First one. And uh, in covenant with God. But he bows down to Melchizedek. So we had a lot of discussion with students. Who then is Melchizedek? The king of Solomon, the king of peace. And most of the scholars agreed in those days that it was the pre-incarnate. Let me say it in Afrikaans. Voor vlees geworden. Jesus Christus, son of God. And uh, he gave him a tithe of whatever they, they gained through that battle. They gained things that brought it and then he gave him a tenth. And he blessed Abraham. He blessed Abraham. So he had to be someone of some status. Then he disappears. You never hear of him again. Until Jesus comes. Now, through the ages, we find one after another. And it's funny, we were looking at this thing in the Old Testament history as a subject. We were looking at this, that God would select individuals like that through the ages. We call it the red line. The messianic line. And it seems like the entire world is almost like, you would almost say it's not really like that, but it's almost like uh, exists, but in this respect doesn't exist because it focuses on this red line, which runs all the way finally to King David, from King David through to, to uh, both Joseph and Mary from the house of King David. 
in their lineage. So um, uh, the, 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 the thing is, he blesses him. And uh, God focuses on certain individuals. In the New Testament, he focuses on every one of us because we become the temples of the Holy Spirit. Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God dwells within you? That's why it says the Afrikaans language, like the Afrikaans language says, as iemand die tempel van God skent, sal God hom skent. If somebody does harm to the temple of God, God will do harm to that person. Just like that. That's what the word says. Because we got to know one thing with whom we have to do. We don't even belong to ourselves. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I have nothing that I have that I could say is mine. I don't even have any intellectual capacity, whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I have. I have nothing to boast about except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to whom I've been crucified to the world. Baptized and died to the world and the world to me. New man arose out of that graveyard of the old man, the baptismal pool. And from there, I was like a rocket. And I started taking in this word and I remembered it. Just as I took it, it's just one of the most amazing things. University and after the university, now theological studies, but whatever I was reading, I was just remembering. Point is that, um, so, man began to give gifts First to Melchizedek, and then God said, let, never be, let there never be a cessation of the priests and the Levites bringing offerings to me. They did that all the time in the tabernacle. They did that all the time in the days of King Solomon. The opening of both places, the tabernacle went to Shiloh, from Shiloh to Gibeon, from Gibeon. Of course, it was brought uh, the, the substance and the furnished items of the tabernacle into King Solomon's temple. And they did the same thing. Massive sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord appeared. God began to speak to King Solomon. And the people gave. And then was Moses that uh, said to the people, everyone of a free and a willing heart, come bring. And um, let's follow the word of the Lord. People find it hard to follow the word of the Lord. Let's follow the word of the Lord and, 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 and do this tabernacle according to the pattern which God showed me on the mountain and the people gave and then the people came running and said, they're giving too much. They, they're actually giving more than what we need. And Moses had to go and say to the people, stop that now. That's enough. God knows you love him. God knows you believe in him. Because every time you give to God, you must know that you know that he is and he's a rewarder. And he is a rewarder. That's what God is. Everybody say, he is my rewarder. See? So, um, uh, he, he blesses his people. And people started giving. And, but you know what? Then one day, um, you'll find it first in the book of Job. And then, of course, we find it again in the book of uh, particularly Matthew chapter number four. Uh, that uh, someone else appeared on the scene called Satan. And he said, all these people that be giving, they're only giving uh, the individuals, but um, actually, he called himself the God of the world system. And then the scripture goes on to say that the whole world lies in the sway of the evil one. And then 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the people. 
So they all gave. They were commanded to tithe. It was part of the Ten Commandments and actually the 613 Commandments of the law. The mitzvot. And um, so all these things, these commands of the Lord, and they gave. And then one day there were some, some people that came, saw a star, and they came. They were the wise men coming in, following from the east. Some of the scholars say they came all the way from Babylon. They came from the east. Said because there was a school set up by Babylon, some of the sources say, uh, in Babylon, by Daniel the prophet. And they were the wise men from the east. And uh, they came, some people say, it's claimed, in some of the sources that I've been reading, that they came in from the east. And uh, they say from, from Babylon. And uh, they were the wise men. We know the story. And they gave gifts. And, uh, well, you know what? The devil was smoking and everything else. But the Son of God was born. Then God gave. Then God gave. I said, then God gave. The devil says, well, you know what? Just before that, he says, I have a little name called Mammon, the money devil. I control the world financial system. I'll set up the mark of the beast in the time of the end. I will work some, some methodology. And we're in that process. It's a landing, it's a takeoff, a landing strip, takeoff landing strip, takeoff strip, like an airport of the Antichrist time now. And the preparation for the Antichrist, the mark of the beast is, is on. See? And the methodology is very simple because the entire kingdom of darkness is based on a thing called fear. Some people walk around with what you call a psychological term, anxiety reaction. They just fear. They just fear. But we believe. And we believe to the salvation of our souls. That's what we do. We believe. Right, Gail? We believe. Can you say, I believe? believe. Through Jesus Christ, all things are possible for me. All right? So, Along comes Mammon the money devil. And he says, well, you know, I've got control of all these things. But then comes God after him stacking up his odds. And he puts it on the table. And God says, now tell you what I'm going to give. I'm going to outgive anything, including you, because the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof and the cattle of a thousand hills belong to me. And furthermore, the earth, the heavens and the earth, they are mine. And I'm going to break your power and I'm going to break your curse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. I want to say the other day, what then is abundant life? Well, everlasting life is only one part of it. But abundant life is life in abundance. It's not life in suffering and struggling. But you need to learn to walk with God. You've got to focus on your relationship with God. That's all I do, all the time. All the time. It's like the most natural thing to work and then stopping and saying a thing to God and then going on with work and then stopping and saying, you know what, Lord, this, that, and the other, whatever, and go on. So it becomes a lifestyle of talking to God all the time and giving Him glory for everything and thanking Him as, we, as I go along. 
Now, number one, God the Father gave. So loved, not just loved, He so loved that He gave His only begotten Son. I don't know how many about, uh, uh, of you are here that is willing to give your Son just like that. You better know that's an overwhelming love. You better know that's a very big love. You better know that that love had to pay for all your sins and all the generations of the earth from Adam and Eve to now. Therefore, as the Scripture says, the gospel was even preached to the dead. He made a proclamation to the spirits that, of the people that were dead in the lower netherworld. Go read the books of Peter. You read all about it. And then he ascended to heaven. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter number four, up to verse number 11, it says, uh, who is he that descended also, but he that ascended on high. And when he ascended, he led a train of captives. Who are they? The Old Testament saints. They came out from the netherworld, from the bosom of Abraham. That's paradise of the Old Testament. They were preserved there. And there was a bigger bus in between. And you know the story of Luke chapter number 16, the rich man and Lazarus. You know that Lazarus was comforted at the bosom of Abraham. He saw him from afar. He could remember. Remember this. After death, you still have memory. In fact, you have perfect memory. Your spiritual memory is far stronger than your natural memory. That I found out a long time. I saw like a, a sudden uh, jump in memory when I properly committed my life to the Lord. It's amazing that happened there. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I knew that God knew everything. And that only I have to ask and he gives me the answer. So, um, Jesus came and he gave himself. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter number three. Who being in the form of God, I'm not going to quote that whole section I can, but did not think it robbery to be called equal with God, but he humbled himself. He manifests in the flesh. He took on the form of a mere man, being found as a servant. As a mere man and a servant. He humbled himself, even unto death, even to death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Did you hear that? Including the devil. When the devil said, this is what I've got on the table, i got the earth. And he said, all of these kingdoms of the earth, you know, I'll give you, but you must fall down and worship me. He said, get behind me, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. He couldn't deceive the word because the word is the word and the word is truth. And Satan is the father of lies and Jesus knew that. Son of God, 100% God, 100% man. But now the devil had trouble. But he didn't know because 1 Corinthians tells us chapter number two that we speak a mystery which has been kept hidden since the beginning of the ages. But it's now been revealed to us. Mystery hidden which none of the rulers of this world knew because had they known they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Because of Jesus 
There are now millions of people with Christ living inside of them, the seed of Abraham. Millions. Because of Jesus. And then he gave his Holy Spirit. The little song goes, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Thou art welcome in this place. Older English. See. And then, you know, I think of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children of flesh and blood, he likewise became the same. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power over death. Took hold of that thing, that grip the devil had, legally, by blood covenant, his own life, paid for us, but because he was innocent, what you call substitution. He was our substitute. And we identify, that's called identification, substitution identification, that we, through that, might believe and be saved through faith. And of course, repentance. It does not, you know, we can't, you can't say that now, now I'm saved, I'm okay, I can do just what I want. Still, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I may not do any harm to it whatsoever. It's belongs to, it belongs to God. It's sacred. It's the temple of God. See how the dead temple of God is treated in the Old Testament. And that's a type of us walking, particularly in the time of King Solomon's reign. It's, it's a type of the church. See? The devil never, you never have crucified the Lord of glory. They knew what they were doing. But Jesus took our sins. He said, no man takes my life, but I will lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. Can you say amen? And he did. After three days, I'll rise again. And I've been to that empty tomb so many times. So many times. Went in, went out prayed a prayer and said, I raise the hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say, I'll raise the hallelujah. Now what does that mean? Hallelujah. That means praise or bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'll praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, now Colossians goes on. In um, chapter number two, verse number 14, and he says then these words. It says, Jesus now, the Lord, having spoiled all principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle, a spectacle of them, triumphing over them. A public spectacle, triumphing over them. Because even though he bore our sicknesses, he paid the price, he was innocent, therefore the father raised his son the word cannot be kept in a grave. There's always life, even if there's death. Life makes a comeback under all circumstances. Can you say amen? amen? You can't bury the word, forget it. Heaven and the earth will pass, but the word of the Lord will never, it will remain forever. Are you still there? Are you listening? Then in the book of uh, Revelation chapter number one, where he appears to the apostle John on the island of Patmos, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
first and the last. He says, now I hold in my hands the keys of life and death now. Stripped it off the devil and stripped the devil of all of his armor. You know, the devil has not got armor. Because Jesus stripped it down. It says it there in the, in the Greek text. Spoiled all principalities. Made a public spectacle. It's like a parade. Like in Rome, when people came from battles, the generals would go ahead and they'd march through the city of Rome. There'd be a big parade. And they would give honor to a general that had some battle and won the battle. Jesus took a parade, triumphing over them, literally, in it. Holding the keys of life and death, in whom we believe, to the salvation not only of our souls, but of all situations. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. I keep on saying that. Curse is the man who trusts in the arm of flesh. I don't find, you know what? There's, the scripture says these words says, and put no confidence in the flesh. Because the best of the best of the best of the best of the wisest of the cleverest the whatever, you know what God says, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. He says, the story of the, of the cross is folly to those who are on their way to perdition. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. And then it goes on and says these words, as it is written, I will, I'll do New Living Translation, this new Bible that you can get there in the New Living Translation says, and I'll destroy the intelligence of the intelligence. The intelligence of the intelligent. Now we're in a weird world. We have got scientists that are running the world. And God alone knows where their heads are. And then we have scientists that believe in Jesus. Here sit some in the front here. And Dr. Dennis and some of these people. We have other specialists and people here, doctors. But the fact of the matter is that um, he brought the devil to naught. When he gave, the devil was paralyzed. When you gave, or when you give, the, the, the devourer is rebuked for your sake. Are you listening to me? Malachi chapter number 3, verse 10 and onwards. It says, and I will. Rebuke the devourer for your sakes. When God blesses you simply because of obedience and pleasing Him through your faith, not fear, you trust in the Lord. Never twist the Word of God. The Bible says some having twisted the, Lord, the Word of God to their own destruction. And to be careful how you interpret the Word of God. Because that could lead to, in, to destruction. I was praying this afternoon and I had this verse that I thought I'd just have to just read this one. But now that one has already been quoted by First Peter 1 6 says, You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. You've been you may be distressed by trials and suffer temptations. Old Amplified Bible, classic one. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though you now you don't see him, 
yet believing, you rejoice with inexpressible joy and full of glory. The genuineness of your faith. Do I believe what I pray? Do I believe when I give to God? Do I believe that God preserved me this year, yes or no? We never lost contact with the church. There's always, the cell leaders were all the time. There's Zoom cell meetings, all sorts of things happening. Pastors were phoning people, they stole. And now there's, there's just this continues all the time looking, upgrade, 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 get better, get better, get better. I'm a forward thinker. I'm a strategist. So the genuine of my faith must be tested being more precious than gold, more precious than gold. And I think of this here, Ecclesiastes 11.6. I said to Maud, here's a nice verse, gave it to her, but she didn't use it. She took mine. In the morning, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6. Sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that. But it says sow and keep on sowing. Either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. New Living Translation, again, Spiritual Growth Bible. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. I think I like that verse. Then 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, Now may you supply seed to the sower and bread for food. May he supply and multiply the seed you have sown, like Isaac. Genesis 26, verse 13. Isaac sowed in the land that year. Not a nice place to stay, land of Canaan. Who's Canaan? It's actually Canaan. And he was the grandson of Ham. And Noah said, curse be Canaan. Now, if you go into the, again, the apocryphal books, Dead Sea Scrolls, you look at those things, read those things, you find out that his brother said to him, move elsewhere. Actually, his brothers were not, were saying to him, don't take that property. But he didn't listen and he set up this place called Canaan or Canaan. Afrikaans is Canaan. It's closer to it. And um, there it is. Where the cursed man cursed is Canaan and he sets up that land. Now Israel's on the way, it becomes the promised land. The land belongs to Israel. The land belongs to Israel. Why do I say that? Because God said so. And if God said so, that's all I want to know. If God said not, then I, I, will, I will say I'll back off on any, on any argument. And I will say no more questions, Your Honor. But if God says... To you and to Abraham, I give all this land. And in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That means just that. I believe God. If I pray, then I believe what I prayed will happen. I just believe it. Simple as that. I don't think any otherwise. I prayed about it. It's now in God's hand. 
My responsibility is faith. My re responsibility is believing. And now that I've prayed, I've turned it over to God. Cast your cares and your burdens upon the Lord for He cares for you. See? So, Now, in Luke chapter 21, verse 1, and he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. I actually had it in my hand this afternoon and should have brought it with, but it's so tiny. The value would be less than a half a cent. In other words, the two together would at the most be one cent. Now it happens to be that he saw her and he was sitting there in the temple and he looked up and he saw. And he said, truly, I say to you that this poor word has put in more than all, more than all. For all these have out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that, he, that she had. And the Lord Jesus knows. He knows all the time. He knew and he knows and he continues to know because he declares the end from the beginning and the moment comes and the widow's there. But she, out of her poverty, put in all her the livelihood that she had. Obviously, no further money. Obviously, how do you get food now? Obviously, people don't easily make friends with the poorest of the poor unless they have the love of God. I said, unless they have the love of God. See, add yourself to those who are humble. So they don't, you know, so he looks at her. There's the rich, and they're full of glitter, and there's a poor little widow. Now, um, Jesus says, truly I say to you, this poor widow is put in more than them all. For they all gave out of their abundance their surplus, their surplus. Out of their abundance, their surplus, classic and amplified. But she has contributed out of her lack and out of her want, putting in all that she had on which to live. Now, I remember there was a day, we were busy planning to build this building, and one man came forward and said, you know what, what we need to do is do acknowledging, you know, to, to, to tell the people to tithe. I hardly ever talk about money. It's one thing I hardly ever, you know, I don't talk about it really. But don't I know the scriptures? See? And a man came and he said, very persuasively, he said, we need to make it public, let's say, the top 10 tithers. The biggest tithers the richest, we need to let the people know how much they're actually giving. And we, yeah, that's right, that's right, Mons, Mons, not beating me on memory on this one. She said, and there need to be a breakfast for them, a special one. That's right, she says, if there's a special breakfast, there are a lot of people, the poorest people will be there because they give out of their need. Not from their surplus. Not from their surplus. They just give. Because they very well know 
that tomorrow's bread is in the pipeline and God will rebuke the devourer of that bread. Can you say amen? amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. My personal thoughts about the man was that, you know, there's Afrikaans word, you stomarak. For those of you who can speak Afrikaans, like, you know, there's, there, there's, a, there's a, some English comedy more than I used to watch with the British Army some time back. And uh, there was a young man, and he kept on saying, the, the, the one army, the one captain used to say to the, he would say the, the stupidest thing, my mother said, and my mother will not like this, and, and my mother told me to put on this scarf, you know, regardless of the military uniform, whatever, in the time of the Second World War. And he would look at him and say, you stupid boy. Well, if I'd seen that movie that time, I would have said to the man, you stupid man, you stupid boy. Because the biggest givers in this church are most probably the poorest people in the church. And the poorest people in the church are the ones that God is watching. Because the genuine of everybody's faith is and will be tested. It's more precious than gold. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. That's how it works. And you know what? If God could multiply that exceedingly and abundantly in the case of Isaac, and Isaac reaped in that same year in the land and particularly the portion where the Philistines were living. Um, if he reaped a hundred times as much as, though he, as what he sowed, what do you think the Lord did that day for that widow through the Holy Spirit in the presence of God the Father there? You see, God can command the ravens to come and feed you. He did that with Elijah. Are you listening to me? Now, you know, it just makes me think of something now. John 6 verse 4. It says these words, says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming to him, he said, Philip, he lifted, up, he, said, he lifted up his eyes and he, and he, and he said, said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? That's what you call a conundrum, big one. I mean, that is like we'd say in Afrikaans. That is like, really, this is problematic. This is a multitude. It says here, a great multitude, John 6 verse 4, New King James. But he said, this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And of course, Philip answered him and says, well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for this crowd. That every one of them may even have a little. John 6, 8. One, is, one of his disciples, Simon Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, now you know what? There's a little lad here who has five barley, not wheat, but barley, loaves, and two small fish. But, but what are they? Two small fish, five barley loaves. 
But what are they among so many? Jesus knew what he would do. Now, you know, in the midst of that multitude, most probably that little boy's mother said, this, you can have this. This should sustain you till you get back home. Don't know where she was, but they found this little boy. Now, a little boy had to part with what would feed him. And you know, I can think what mothers, how mothers feel when they see that the fish is taken away from the boy. The boy had to give, the mother had to give. What followed next was a miracle. You see, it's not what we have in this life. Or shall I say, it's not what we don't have, but that one thing that we do have that God can bless, if we put it in the hands of the master, he can multiply it, multiply it, multiply it for the rest of your life. Amen. And then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there's much grass in the place. So the men sat down in numbers, about 5,000 men alone, 5,000. What about the women? What about the children? And even the small boy. And Jesus took the loaves. Now notice what he does. He had given thanks to it. When he had given thanks, he distributed that. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were full, he said to the disciples, go gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which they had that were left over by those who had eaten. You see, it's like, you know, God's not looking at us and what we don't have is what we do have. And if you turn it over to God, then Mammon gets a knock on the head. Are you listening to me? Now those who know me closely know that I'm not interested in money whatsoever. I don't even preach about it. But tonight I happen to be because we're going into Thanksgiving. And I thought I might as well do some things. More took my scripture, so this sermon just more spontaneous. Amen. And Tato, what will I do with that? But she's a godly woman. She's a good woman. So I'll permit her that for tonight. Amen? But if I surrender myself and I surrender to God an offer of thanksgiving, He's able to sustain me for all the days of my life on earth and eternally. And I won't just have abundance, super abundance, abundant life. As far as you go, you're provided for. I mean, I think of the, the prophet Elijah being fed by the ravens, and along comes an angel and gives him food. Those guys go out there in the water and Peter says to them, this after the resurrection says, let's go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. And they said, well, that's familiar language. Let's go fishing. Now they're there. They're struggling on the water. They're going on. And um, that morning they tied, caught but nothing. 
Can you imagine going midnight through the night and you're rowing, some guys are going, their arms are tired in this tiny little boat up and down through the water for casting the nets out. They still do it to this day. You see nets at the Lake of Galilee. They catch what you call St. Peter's fish, St. Peter's fish. Well, the saint means the holy one. And all of you are holy. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are saints. Saints in the light. Holy to God. And then in the morning, Jesus stands on that beach there. It's a place called Memza Christi. And he says to them, children, do you have food? Do you have bread? Like in modern day language, have you got breakfast there? And they said, no. He says, well, cast the net on the other side. Now that's the hard thing. By now their muscles are tired. They're tired. Everything is tired about them. Amen. They're tired by now. But something tells them, do it. Because it's a distance and they don't recognize him immediately. And the next thing, that boat is just about turning over with all the fish coming in that net. Then they say, it's the Lord. And they go to the beach after dealing with the fish, and he feeds them. To this day, that's called the table of the Lord. There's a rock that juts out. It stands there. It's like an elevated rock. And that's said to be the place upon which the breakfast took place for the disciples. He didn't even use what they had. He had to tell them where to put the net. They just had to realize it's the Lord and all things are possible for those who believe. And when they knew it was the Lord, the resurrected King of glory, they responded accordingly. Cursed is the man who trusts in the arm of flesh. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Jeremiah 17 from verse 5. Actually, that whole context is powerful. I think about it now. It runs through my mind. That whole context is powerful. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. The other guy is... He goes to a parched land. Everything has come short. It's just everything is just in shortage. There's a little widow that says, well, I've only got two mites. After that, it's like no running water in those days. Maybe there's a spring. I drink some water and see how long I live. Maybe somebody will have mercy. Man, I tell you, she got more than mercy. She got the blessing of God full house on her. Do you think Jesus would have left her without blessing her? He only had to look at her and it would happen for her. And this is the problem that we have. They fall in love with ma'am on the money, money devil. And I mean, you say, ma'am on the money, man, devil. Right, Ntatu? That ma'am on your, that, that thing is like, like a bug that stings, but they love it. Why do I say a bug that's, that stings? Because those who desire to be rich, it's written in the scriptures, will pierce them themselves through with many sorrows.
That's what the Bible says. They will pierce themselves. So I'm taking something. I'm greedy for something. I'm trying to accumulate something. I haven't got the blessing of the Lord. I'm putting everything in a purse with holes. And I pierce myself with many sorrows. Have you ever seen a multi-billionaire that's a happy man? I want to tell you, if you haven't got Jesus, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. I know this night, and I'll say this first in Afrikaans, say it in English too. Die Heere weet. Ons sal nie vanavond hier gesit het, as het nie versleibel was nie. I'm telling you now. The Lord knows we wouldn't have sat here tonight if Jesus didn't preserve us. I saw people around the church, peripheral, that were dying. But he had little falls like a drop in the palm of my hand compared to the size of the church, the actual congregation out there. There's one problem that we had, and I might say that to the people watching on the internet, and that is this. The people have become comfortable watching at home and they're missing out on this corporate anointing that you have here. They don't, they don't feel the corporate anointing. They, they're missing out on it. See. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.